0: n-e-t-s-u-i-t-e dot com slash w-t-f all right let's do this how are you what the fuckers what the fuck buddies what the fuck nicks what's happening how's it going could you just not just don't get the covid before the cure Not the, well, not the cure, but it seems like there's some promising things on the horizon here. Maybe we'll get a handle on this. It's a very weird thing. I recently had uh, an experience. Oh, let me, let me get some business out of the way because I'm very excited about our guest. Michael J. Fox. Everybody loves Michael J. Fox, rightfully so. You know him from Back to the Future, Family Ties, Spin City, and he's, uh, He's been very publicly living with Parkinson's disease since the 1990s. He's written several books about it, and his new memoir is called No Time Like the Future, an optimist considers mortality. I met Michael once. I met him once at a uh, at one of the Comics Come Home performances with Dennis I Met him and his wife. And it's a, it's an it's a very heavy thing how we handle people who are living with real problems physical problems sicknesses illnesses how the 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 natural compulsion or, or or the the natural reaction that someone has a lot of times is like oh my god what a what a tragedy what you know that's so sad and Michael J. Fox has pushed back against that for years and has really kind of taken on his Parkinson's, his disease as sort of, you know, an unwanted but accepted partner in his life and worked with it. It's it's pretty fucking amazing. And, and metaphorically and literally on all levels, whatever your struggle, even if they're just psychological, the idea of like accepting and working with your liabilities, your insanity, if you're able to. it's Very inspirational. And, and I was nervous to talk to him because it, it you wonder when somebody has a condition that is that compromising, like, is it going to be difficult? Is it going to be difficult for him? Yeah, a lot of worrying and sort of uh, instinctually codependent activity goes on in my brain but like right you know, this guy's been living with this and talking with it and embracing it for you know decades and once i got comfortable with him it was just it was there's n- there's no way around it it's it's inspirational and and it kind of gives you a fucking reality check that's coming up i talked to him Because, look, I've been very public about, you know, what I'm going through because that's what it's what I do. And the weird thing about being public about what I'm going through. And I have this platform and I speak fairly openly on uh, Instagram Live. And I've shared my life fairly candidly for years. You know, tapering it certain ways as not to involve or offend or disrespect other people in my life but uh, for the most part being pretty straight you know just I make some edits to protect some privacy but you know all I've been dealing with outside of the stuff that we've all been dealing with which is a pig person in the White House who has destabilized the entire fucking world and uh pitted us against each other We're all dealing with that. And we're still dealing with it. I guess we're going to be dealing with it until Biden puts his hand on that fucking Bible in January. And probably after that, obviously. But I am hopeful. Somehow. And we've all been dealing with this plague and there seems to be reason for some optimism on that front. But for me, you know, I've been dealing with this fucking loss of a person I loved and and some animals I loved. And and I've been public with that, and it seems to be helpful. It's not unlike the stigma of a disease. There's something about the way that Michael J. Fox lives with his illness publicly and destigmatizes it. Mental illness is another thing that is stigmatized. Grief is another thing that is stigmatized. Aging is another thing that is stigmatized. Class, stigmatized. I mean, the list goes on, but I can't speak to all of them. I can speak to mental illness. I can speak to grief at this point. But these are things that... All human beings go through. Everybody's going to go through it. And as long as things stay stigmatized. Then we think when we have the feelings or we have the sickness that we have to. We have to hide. We have to lie. We have to cover. We have to blame. I don't know, man. Things are just weighing on me a little bit. I've entered some other phase of this quarantine situation. So I guess I've been kind of serious, kind of raw, and still dealing with this, these waves of this. There's nothing good about grief, but it's something that everyone is going to have to reckon with. And I know that when I talk about it, I was recently accused of, like, using my grief to what? Uh, to what? It kind of drops off there, doesn't it? You're just exploiting your grief. You're exploiting the, the death of, your, of the person you love. It's like, are you fucking out of your mind? Why would I want that? I just don't know how to make things up, really. And I talk about my feelings and what I'm going through. And I'm a creative person. I wrote a, for some reason, I've been able to write anything about any of it. I've been able to write in my fucking notebook at all. I'm just sort of like dealing with feelings, talking about them, sometimes to whoever will listen, and leaning on people to move through this, because that's what people do for each other. We're built to carry each other's burden a little bit, and sometimes it's, it's as easy as fucking listening. But as I was saying, I haven't been writing about this stuff because I don't know what to do with it and I don't feel the pressure. I definitely do not want to. Like, people are like, you got to write about what you're going through. Why? Why? This is what I do. I talk. And I don't want to sell books about whatever it is I'm going through. It's horrible. It's horrible. But for some reason, the other day, a few days ago, I started writing. A song i started writing a song about what i was going through now i always play music at the end of this thing and i'm not a songwriter but i just took an honest approach to it and you know i play guitar and people have said you should do something i never write songs i've written maybe three songs in my life and i've only played i've never played them but for some reason the experience I'm going through out of my heart translated into this song and it was relieving to me and, and it's like writing a poem or it's like journaling or anything else that anything you have to do you know without hurting other people to get through the weight to the other side of it or at least to get it so it settles in you you gotta do it there's no right way or wrong way to deal with this stuff it keeps coming but anyways, so I did. I wrote <laughs> I wrote a song and I, I you know, di- you know despite my hesitation, just dis- despite like y- knowing that like you know anytime I put anytime you put your heart out there in any sort of real way, you, you know someone's gonna start kicking it around. but I, I put it at the end of the show. So I shared it with you. If it inspires someone to write a song or to express themselves, great. I'm not looking for anything from it. It's just what I did. And I'm sharing it. I am a guy who makes things, uh, and I'm sharing it. So Michael J. Fox was uh, great to talk to, funny and um, inspirational, and I'm sure he gets that a lot. The book, No Time Like the Future, An Optimist Considers Mortality, is available now wherever you get books. And this is me talking to Michael J. Fox last week. week nice to see you michael
1: i see i'm having a little
0: antifreeze yeah good oh it's nice what is in there what's in that blue Uh, drink
1: that's actually that's a gatorade type concoction
0: oh okay okay electrolytes
1: electrolytes yeah 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 things sparking in the morning
0: yeah sure I think we met once. I don't know if you're. I think we met at yeah, Boston. In, D- Dennis Leary sing, right? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And we're
1: doing the show. Oh, I'm glad. Yeah, yeah
0: I I, could, I was trying to remember where because I knew I had the memory, but it was uh, it was in the haze of my life of all the yeah. memories.
1: <laughs> I know. I, I'm in the same haze. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, well, you've got the double whammy of of uh, I'm 57, you're 59, and on top of that, you've got the Parkinson. So I I imagine it's quite a, a jungle and, up there.
1: And and you've got the whatever you got.
0: Yeah, whatever the fuck I have, which is just <laughs> you know my I, uh, I lose I don't know it. I the memories start to to if you lived enough places, if somebody says they knew you from somewhere, you got to be like, all right, what year
1: and, and what town? And then and then, you, and then you remember it and you go, oh yeah. <laughs> you're that guy. Did you see a bar and say, I know that bar oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Did I do what? Oh yeah, I kind of, I didn't want to remember that. Yeah. I didn't realize that like I'm like I'm a recovery guy and I and I talk kind of openly about it. Uh and I I don't know where you're at with it, but you talk about it in the book. But I didn't realize that uh, you know, the dark night of the soul that lasted a few years was directly related to uh, to your your Parkinson's diagnosis, that's when you started drinking.
1: No, I, I started drinking in twelve. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When I, I, was, I was a party guy and like partying, and then when I got diagnosed, then it became more medicinal and right, more right, Directed. It lasted a few years, about two three years after my diagnosis.
0: Right. Oh, so you were going at it pretty heavy the whole time.
1: Yeah, I I, I was diagnosed. So I was diagnosed in ninety one or ninety. I can't even remember now. And, um, and uh, I, I quit drinking in 92, Ross Perot's birthday, June 28th.
0: But you had been building towards that. You, you were going to get there either way, probably. Yeah,
1: they were saving a seat for me. Yeah, yeah. Because I was
0: trying to figure out, like, you know, when you were shooting, you know, Back to the Future and running back and forth to do family ties, I was like, you know, how the hell did you do that?
1: Uh, that was just pure youth. I, oh, yeah. I, 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 I didn't need anything to get me going. I needed stuff, stuff to put me to sleep, so I... I drink. I drink beers on the way home. Oh, and okay. To sleep and crash out and get up in the morning. So you're always kind of wired. I was. I was like 23 years old, and I was doing a TV series and a Steven Spielberg movie, so I was had a lot to juice me up.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, So, so like when you, I guess what what this book is about is is the sort of second kind of collapse of your 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 sort of disposition in in, in relation to all the work you've done. On maintaining a disposition that got you through life, that it kind of got dark again, yeah. and some of the tools that you had once relied on stopped working. But I, I guess in the first time, what, how, how, how much from did you really draw from those ideas of, in recovery to to kind of get you through?
1: Well, the the big thing in recovery for me was always uh, concept of acceptance and surrender.
0: Right. It's
1: just, it's just I got to You're too big for me. You kick my ass. I, I give up. Right. Which doesn't mean I would say, like, if you accept something, it doesn't mean you, you can't endeavor to change it. Right. But you have to accept it first. You have to deal with it as a fact. And I mean, it's like it's like, uh, it's like this fact deficit we've been dealing with in the country for the last. Season. And we say, this, this is what it is. You lost. Yeah. It's over. <laughs> yeah. Right. This is the reality. Step up to it. Get into it. Right. Um, so that was my, my kind of thing was that I um I had always um with, with alcohol alcohol does what alcohol does and it covers things up and buries it and get out of your mind you're not thinking about it and you remember it like you remember it six months later oh right whereas with this with, with this what? Well, just to give you a thumbnail of what, what happened was I had Parkinson's for like 30 years whenever I was dealing with that and that's just so we, we, like I said in the book we kind of reached detente it gave me the room to do what I wanted to do it took the room that it needed to take from me and uh, there were the losses but there were gains and, um, and then I, I had this spinal thing this tumor on my back and my spine I had to get that removed or I was going to be paralyzed so and it was a chance with the surgery to be paralyzed, but I, I wasn't. I, I was learned how to walk again. I had to learn actually the kinetics of walking again and mechanics. I still don't do it that well. But um, so I went through all this and then I was feeling cocky. I got walking again and I kept stressing every day. I wanted independence. I wanted them to leave me alone and let me get better. And yeah. so I finally got, I conspired to have a night at, in my apartment by myself and my family were on vacation. I was waking up the next morning to go do a cameo in a Spike Lee movie. And um especially the movie he was producing, and so I was all jazzed. and I got up in the morning and I got out of bed and I walked into the kitchen and I took I was feeling really good and I took a little spin on the on that on that tile yeah and went down, shattered my arm shattered uh, my humerus. yeah so that and that was the thing that was the thing of all the stuff I dealt with that was the thing that I was sitting on the floor waiting for the ambulance to come just going what an idiot what a fucking idiot and how, you know and then five I just went through this whole thing about it. There's always uh, optimism. You preach to people. Like, how can you, how can you like say, "Chin up," you know? Yeah. When like, this is this is broken arms, you level of misery. When people have on the misery index, have so much worse. Right. And, you, and you're like saying, "Be okay." Yeah. I won't be okay. It's bullshit. Yeah. I'm out of the lemonade business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: it it just seems like everything converged on that moment from you know all the things that you had sort of framed a different way. It was just that moment where you kind of blamed yourself and then it just collapsed from there.
1: Yeah. I just, once, once it's on me, then I I, I just I found it very easy to brave myself and, and go after myself.
0: Yeah. But it's amazing. You held that off for as long as you did.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think I'm annoying <laughs> me. I, think I get pissed at myself earlier.
0: Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. But like, um, in the beginning, you know, it was sort of amazing that you were able to to write to like the way you talk about your, your wife, Tracy, is it's just a profound relationship that, you know, from the beginning, from that moment where, you know, you've got your diagnosis, you've had tremendous success. You're relatively newly married, but you're 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 listless and self-pitying and just, you know, drowning yourself in booze. And it was a moment where, where she basically said, you know, is this how you want to be?
1: Yeah, is this it? Is this what you want? <laughs> it was a horrifying moment. I was, yeah. on, I was on the couch. Yeah. On the couch. We lived on the west side, so the sun was streaming in. I was on the couch I was sweating. I, I had a Coors tall boy that yeah. was, the, just spilled over on the carpet. was on the side. My son was kind of climbing on me and poking me. He was three years old. And I kind of woke up, and I saw my wife's feet. And then I looked up, and I saw her go to her face. I expected her to be really pissed at me, but she was just bored. And she <laughs> said, is this what you want? Is this what you want? And the instant I went, no. And I was in a meeting uh, two days later.
0: That's amazing. Like, you, you, you were prepared for anger, which you could just, that, that would just add to your self-pity. But the yeah, sort of, yeah, the, yeah. the boredom, that was too much to handle.
1: Yeah, it's just like, she's just over the whole floor show. She's <laughs> over it. And she was really, she was really frank about it. That's what she said. That, that, that moment she said, it's not what she wanted to do, but she was ready to go. Okay, this, we'll call this on account of pain.
0: And, and but it's interesting that she comes from sort of a, a legacy of 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 self-help right i mean she comes from a family of of self helpers right
1: well I've, I've, I've certainly of personal personally motivated people that right 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 accomplish and, and, and address issues
0: her her brother is michael right
1: brother is michael Paul, yeah. Wrote, wrote the uh the bible and uh and
0: didn't he write some didn't he write something about food too am i wrote yeah, a lot about food and in, in the the most recent book is uh, the sort of microdosing of uh, of illusions. Yeah.
1: It's a really cool book. And he also, he wrote a book out well, my favorite book that he wrote, it's called uh, uh, Botany of Desire, which is how plant, how, it's a natural history science, science book about how plants manipulate us into making them better. Like uh, apples, apples, they, they played a whole game on us to make apples for apple cider and we promulgated all these apple trees all over the place. And like marijuana, how it kind of you twist this, we'll get better. We'll, we'll get higher and we'll get stronger. Right. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> it was all to serve the plants because they knew yeah. in their deep primal heart on a global level that they'd be left after us and they needed to survive.
1: They were screwing with us. Yeah. <laughs> I, love it. I love that book.
0: So the beginning, when when she calls you out and you go to meetings I, I, and you get off the booze, and that that sort of – that the idea of powerlessness is certainly – a good place to start with sort of anything out of your control
1: Well, not to scare anybody when i say it's sober but the first you get sober and then the first two years of sobriety are like a knife fight in the closet yeah it's it's just like it's no fun you trust no one you believe no one you're like i would i would would wear like the same thing i wear jeans and a white t-shirt and just like like sunglasses and just go and sit in the back
0: right angry you know fuck you people
1: yeah, It's just like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. it gets better. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, that's a, that moment
0: where, you know, you, you finally share and you're pissed off and you hate everybody. And some old timer comes up to you and says, you sound great. Keep coming yeah. back. <laughs> you're like, what are you talking about? You know, I, I mean, it's been a long time for me, too. It's been like 21 years or something longer for you, I guess. Wow. 28,
1: 28.
0: Are you still in touch with people in the in the rooms or?
1: Yeah, I still am. Oh, not, 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 not to the extent that I was, but I try to show up uh, every now and then for as much for to 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 get, get, a, get a chip, get a chip, and show a little gratitude.
0: And that was a, the, the sort of the interesting thing about this particular uh, you know dark period that you went through after the, you broke your arm, was that you know that your gratitude somehow dissolved, and and you started to question you know the impact you had on other people. By actually being, uh, you know, optimistic and 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 sort of uh, proactive in 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 living with your disease, that struck me as as kind of interesting. That you felt you know guilty somehow.
1: Yeah, I felt that. Uh, I, well, I felt that, that I had, uh, I and mean, I was going to feel that I, I have I have a lot of things in my life and a lot of luxuries and a lot of perks. Yeah, that a lot of people don't get, and I try to keep that in mind my mind when I'm mm-hmm. assessing my situation compared to other people's situations. So I, felt, I started to think, well, how easy was it for me to say, oh, sure, I feel great. It's all good. And, and, and a lot of that is real. I mean, the most of it is real. I felt all of it was real until that moment under the phone. And then I went, oh, no, there's another level here. There's another right. level of dis- disquiet, another level of, of, uh, of anger and of uh, not accepting it, like not being willing to accept it. So I said, oh, this whole new thing exists. And I got to look at this. I got to look at what, what I've, been, what I've been, have I been offering up Optimism is a panacea, like uh, you know, I I've been I was I was uh, sincere in what I said, but but at risk sounding glib, you know? Yeah, right. So so I really so I kinda of opened my mind and I said, I'm gonna go through this next period and I'm just gonna take notes and just like be aware of what I'm doing, what I'm watching on television, who I'm interacting with, what message I'm sending them, what messages I'm getting back from them. And I just started to it, it, this, the gratitude thing became a theme that I picked up on and realized that everything good came back. Gratitude and, and uh, this notion of optimism being sustainable when there's gratitude. Right. Gratitude is what makes optimism sustainable.
0: Right. And and also I think like alongside of of that realization or that questioning process, I mean, we're also in our mid to late fifties here. I mean, that's a natural t- Yeah. <laughs> You're hey, mid, I'm late.
1: I'm fifty seven. I'm getting late. But, Not much happens in the next two years. No. <laughs> you, you go through a soul searching crisis.
0: <laughs> exactly. Everyone Anyone does. Yeah.
1: yeah. That's what I recommend. Take notes and you get a book out of it.
0: Great. I, 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 that's, uh, yeah, it's been a tough couple years, you know, but, uh, but yeah, but I think that, that, that's also a natural time for you to go through that shit on top of whatever you were going through,
1: right? Yeah. It's it's interesting that you mentioned Tracy. Uh, well, of course you mentioned Tracy, but. Like I think about this morning. I was having a hard time walking this morning. Yeah. I was getting getting out my house in Long Island and getting in the car. And she's helped me get down the stairs and, and she said, Do you okay? And I said, Yeah, it's life. She goes, Yeah, tell me about it. And I said, Yeah, you got a piece of this. That's right, you got a piece of this. <laughs> <laughs> it, it hit me, but you got you got you got you got winged. Yeah. <laughs> and I apologize for that. <laughs> she's really I realized that the, the, like what she does people always ask me what she does and what, what's so cool about her. And why why it works so well with us, and it, 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 I think it's because, it's especially as as relates to the to the Parkinsons, is that she um she can feel it, she can understand what I'm going through without assuming it and taking it on as something she's going through. She never makes me makes me feel like because I have it, she has it. And she and she has to. It's, it's totally the opposite. She kind of goes, I can understand it fully, more fully than any other human being you know but I don't understand it as well as you do. And she always allows me that room that I know, that extra little piece that she can't know, and she puts up with that. Right. So I say, she she got a piece of it. But.
0: She has boundaries around it. That's good. I mean, if she was more codependent, you, it, you guys probably would have spiraled out years ago.
1: Yeah, we'd be like sitting together with blankets over our laps on the porch, waiting for someone to bring food. <laughs>
0: Did she? But did, did did she have that part of her? Did she have to go through that part of a uh, of your process to kind of detach, or was it always natural that she had that ability to have the boundaries?
1: I, I, th- I think she learned. Is I mean, I think she adapted. Yeah, but I think she always she always had the predisposition to. It. I mean, she always yeah. Uh, uh, even when even when I was like finally like, out of control, like she gave me that edict, and in a sense an edict, a, a strong hint. Yeah, that I, that I had to change my ways, and um. And then and, and after that, it was cool. Like, we, we had this thing. We had a son, our son was three, and I went up to the time that he was about five or six. I, I said, Do you want to have another baby? And she's young. Are you out of your mind? And go, That's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. he, you know, like, I didn't have another child. And then, and then one day she just came and said, he, he, could use a, he could use a brother or sister. And then we had twins a year later. Right? kinda of cool it was a nice validation.
0: Yeah, and then you had another one. Now you got a
1: full and, uh, full full crew. No, oh, they're great. Yeah. They're all adults now too, so they're great. They give you no do shit. They're all smarter than me. Well
0: that's good. And it seems like you all get along and like it, that was really the heart a heartbreaking part of the you know the the struggles that you're entering in, in midlife was this idea that you know when you see yourself as as a liability or as a chore, yeah. and have to you know you know kind of weigh that stuff against, it. because I I would think that in thinking that, you know it's almost selfish to think that in terms of of how your loved ones love you, so like it's it must be a very difficult balance to sort of n- navigate that.
1: Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to it's hard to explain why you're outside of personality, outside of who the people are to you. Just just natural kinetic coming together when you're in a certain place and someone wants to help you or assist you or grab you or touch you or move you or help you or it just, you, you, you suck off. Yeah. Right. And, and then you, you have to think it through and think, well, I see where they're coming from and I see what they, what they need from this. And I see what I get from it. And I have to admit that I get from it and and then we can go forward. But it takes, it takes some adjusting because yeah. people say when I'm walking, sometimes I'll my, 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 my a momentum will get carrying me. In. I'll go faster. It's like I talk about in the book, the Heisenberg principle, that you can't measure location and speed at the same time. Because by the time you measure this, if you're measuring the speed of it, it's moved from the location. So you can So it's the same thing with I can't. I don't know where I am or how fast I'm going at any given time. I can't calculate those two things. So I'll start to walk too fast, and, and I'll trip over something and I'll start to fall. People will go, first thing they'll do is say, "Be careful." Yeah. But well, it's too too late. I'm already. I'm going down. I mean, <laughs> I appreciate the sentiment, but, but you miss the bus. And then, and then the other thing is when people go slow down, it's like, if I no, I want to walk with my head four feet in front of my feet and, and I like a pitch angle like this going 30 miles an hour right. toward a bank door. I mean, that's, that's my choice. This the direction I'm going in, in my life. So, so it gets frustrating, but, but, but then it, with family, especially he comes in it's, you know, you all things filter out and you get down to the place where you're just supposed to down on the couch watching TV, and you, you know, lean over and put your head on his shoulder, and you just realize you're safe. Yeah,
0: yeah, and that that love is is deep and real, and 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 the the understanding is is yeah you know, intrinsic to the family unit. There,
1: yeah, you know, it's really wild. This uh, during this whole uh, pandemic.
0: Yeah,
1: you know, we were we were we were quarantined in our house in in Long Island, and we usually just got there on weekends in summer. So it's weird to be there in March and kind of hunker down and, and the whole family was there. And yeah, you know, we did all the things. We had the jigsaw puzzles out and we had the long conversations. We had, cook dinner and we had these long conversations about social justice and, and government and all this stuff. And, and it was just amazing. And then we thought about the fact that there were people pressed up against the glass trying to see their loved ones in hallways of corridors of hospitals and people that died alone. And, and the, and the the, the, the dichotomy, the, the, the sad irony of the, uh, the so many people found family and union and, and joy and, and other people were facing awful pain and suffering. And, and it, it's against all this. I was writing this book. Yeah. Writing this book about myself and my inner, looking at myself with a dental meter, you know, like all na- navel gazing and in- inward stuff. I mean, all the world is falling apart. Yeah. And it, it actually really focused me because I, I could, I could, I could relate to, to, I it put my pain in perspective. Hmm. Help me write about it.
0: In that you were able uh, to, I, I guess like the, it was sort of like trying to kind of come out from under a massive self-pity episode. Yeah. So for you to find uh, some people who had more pain to compare yourself to on a, on a large level in the world we're dealing with gave you a little space.
1: You know, it wasn't even an active choice to compare myself to. I didn't go like, here's my issues, here's the issues of the world. Right. So you could sense it. You could just feel it. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like, it's like this, I'm thinking about this. Well, what am I thinking about this? I'm going think about this. Right. And, and um looking at it from this angle, or from that angle. And actually it freed me up in a lot of times. I, I it, it helped me get silly because it just, because it just, I mean, sometimes you just have, well, you're in the business, you know, it's like, yeah. like are said, to occupation fool with an E at the end just to piss him off. Yeah. Yeah, right. You have to look at things through a different lens. And um, it was really strange, too. I, had, I, I, was, I, write with, I don't write. I can't type. Right. And I can't write with a pen written with – you need Rosetta Stone to figure it out. Right. So I, 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 I dictate. And I have this partner, my producing partner, Nell Fortenberry. And she would be on – because she was locked down in her, her place in Sag Harbor. And um, we would get on this thing. And I'm, I'm a Luddite. I don't – but this is really weird that I've managed to get through this so far without screwing it up somehow. And um, so I was really new to this whole FaceTime thing. And I was just like, wow, this is look at the person the Do you know <laughs> Yeah. yeah. And, and I would get, uh, we'd get I'd be writing, I'd be sitting there going, you know, the, the crow was in the treetop and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And she'd write it out. And then, I, and then I, go, I, I go to the bathroom and I go and I come back and I bring two glasses of water. One for her, one for me. And they go, oh, no, you're not here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you were in it uh, I was lost in it yeah that's hilarious just a swirl of the world kind of being screwed up and it was a nice place for me to slip in and do my inventory wow
0: I mean and so that was the writing process that's something else so you would sort of you, you would you would think it and then dictate it and then she would write it down
1: yeah I had notes and I, I would, I would, I'd go like I'd say um, I wanna, I wanna, today I want to talk about I, I always wanted because it's such a uh, odd thing. I, I write about television. I write about golf. Yeah. I write about just these, these strange things in my life. I'd say I don't. I'm going to talk about television today. So then I just have these notes and I'm jumping off places and I'd write it. And and it, it's funny when you speak it. If you speak it with 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 the intention that it be on the page, it's funny with humor like like the way we time a joke. Right. Is it's a lot to do with like actors' glides and na Right. Right. You got it on that page. You got to you got to somehow set that up on the page. Yeah. That's why the ellipses are my favorite thing in the world. And editors are always taking them out. You can't use the fucking ellipses. I, I, I need the dot, dot, dot. <laughs> this, is where, yeah. this is where I adjust my tie. Yeah, that's the timing.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it's a, there's a, you start to realize, I imagine, that there is a – like it's like joke writers like the comedy writers there's a beat to it i mean you get you yeah. start because there's a lot of funny point uh bits in the book but you could see that eventually you learn that yeah, you know, there's there are these beats and it lands it's just a different place to deliver it you know there's
1: a, there's a running joke i had with the family times writers where they'd write you know the, um, mallory mallory says uh, my boyfriend and i said like we had one mind and so like one heart one mind and and then it said, you know, Alex, beat, who's using it tonight? And I say, you don't have to put beat there. I know there's a beat there. I'm going to go get I'm gonna get a fucking glass of orange juice, walk to the front of the proscenium, stroll over to her, stroll back, put the juice back in the fridge, come back and say, who's using it tonight? And I'm going to bring the house down.
0: <laughs> you knew yeah. the physical timing.
1: Uh, don't write beat.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll take the beat.
1: There's a beat there, I know.
0: When you look at like you know the the way you've handled your life in this, because there are some really touching parts in the book, you, you know, in terms of you know your mother and Ireland, and then you know you had these uh, two women who were your your caretakers who were Irish. That and I've got a fascination with Ireland. I'm a Jew, but for some reason I feel very drawn to Ireland. And I'm mean, an I mean,
1: Irish guy. Feels very drawn to Ju- Judaism. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it. Your wife's yeah. Jewish. And my kids' job and Bar I, I had to go to Sheffield.
0: great, but like do you find that uh, that d- do you find some some solace or some history in the kind of perseverance and and uh, ability for the Irish to kind of you know take the hit and be remain sort of moving forward
1: well i love I love the survivor thing it I, I didn't even represent I didn't even realize I started writing it i like I watched like, Alone. Uh, I like that show, that TV show about the guys that they put out in Alaska by themselves to—oh
2: yeah, yeah,
1: yeah—to forage yeah. And, and rot and eventually like it's going crazy. But I like that survivor mentality, and I like that about the Irish that they're they're they're, they're indestructible, and they're invincible. And they they carry on in spite of thought. everything conspiring against them. And much much the same as, as the Jews. I mean, I, I, I have the same affinity for, for Jewish people yeah. and just just survivors, it's just like yeah. Thank you, sir. Can I have another? Yeah. Thank you, sir. Can I have another?
0: Yeah, I think that the Jews are sort of more um, uh, kind of. Uh, there's a different pitch to the complaining.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's like it's like he described that. I, I don't do very good dialects, but but uh, and our, our accents. But but there was the two two uh, nurses that I had, and one was uh, the morning nurse who was very really like, oh, "Michael, good morning, Michael." And then yeah. and then I had the, uh, the other one, who uh, who had the, that that kind of thing. They're both from Galway. So they, yeah. there was no reason they just had different, a uh, different uh, accents, but 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 they did. And the the other one had everything was questioning. Where do you think you're going? <laughs> what do you mean by that? <laughs> <laughs> do you see you going? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love that. I just love that. She's she's, <laughs> she's the one I told to go to the Grand Canyon. So oh, we yeah. You? yeah. The Grand Canyon. I said well, you should go. I said, My fellow wouldn't let me go. Who wouldn't want to go? I said. Go, go to Grand Canyon. Did she ever go? I got her big coffee table book at the end of the... Biggest oh. like coffee table book for the Grand Canyon I could find. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah.
0: It seems like there has been, like, uh, you know, uh, I'm not out, outside your family as well, but, like, I found that, you know, when you decided to quit show business because uh, you didn't... You know, I mean, was that another moment of that you had to weigh... Like, was it practical or were you feeling sorry for yourself? What was the dialogue initially
1: there were two, there were two kind of quitting. So there was one, uh, after, after spin city, which was in 2000, yeah. I retired and I said, you know, I'm going to start the foundation. And, uh, and then I started the foundation and I got going in, got, got legs real quickly. And after a couple of years, it was going well. so I was getting, uh, people were asking me if I wanted to do some acting. And, uh, Bill Lawrence, who did scrubs, asked me to come and do a scrubs and yeah. did the bus and legal. And I did that. I did, uh, uh, and through that. And I did all these, did Dennis's show, of, uh, rescue me and that was great and I uh, started to get a lot of attention I get to my Emmy nominations and won an Emmy and so I was, I was like wow I have this second career that I didn't think about and I started doing Good Wife and did 26 episodes of that and and it was, it was a nice kind of career because there was no there was no financial uh, imperative there was no, there was no it, was just, it was just I loved doing it and and I could I could find, find a way to, to, to assimilate to use my um, to, to use Parkinson's in a way like the the affect of it, if not the the essence of it, in uh, to play a guy with OCD and to realize that I can't stop my hands from moving, he can't stop his hands from washing. It's, it's the same thing. It's, it's so so I just just live that and apply that, and 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 then I found I could get I, I put Parkinson's to work. I brought it into the family business. So I made it I made it bust his ass and and, and and do some work and and uh, with with a good wife. I played a guy who had heart of dyskinesia, which is like Parkinson's. And he used yeah. it he used it to to manipulate people and and, and I love the, the opportunity to show that disabled people can be assholes too.
0: Yeah, no, I think that was I think that whole lesson, you know, when when Dennis Leary, you know, he, he, you know, brought you in and and you know challenged you to a certain degree to play a guy, you know, that wasn't you, you know a Parkinson's guy, and he was kind of a, a, an asshole. And, you know, that your initial response, you know, was resistance. But it seems to me that, like, not unlike many other episodes in your life, that, you know, that your brain was, you know, trying to to sort of work with this disease, accept the disease, you know, integrate it and and have sort of a a strange partnership with it of acceptance. And it seems like those roles really helped you kind of, uh, you know, see it for what it was, but also see the power of it.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's exactly right. And then, and then what happened with what you're alluding to is the the, the second quitting or the second retirement it was I just I did a I did a couple of things, just after my back surgery. So I had been somewhat. Uh, it, was a, it was a different kind of uh, uh, disability than the Parkinson's. It kind of right. the two do don't get along really well because Parkinson's wants to move my body and freeze it in different places, and my spine wants to to, to not send energy to places. So it's kind of dead energy. It's, 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 it's kind of weird to work with. So, uh, uh, so I was doing these other things. I did a uh, Kiefer show the designated survivor. Uh-huh. And I did, and I did an episode of the good fight. Yeah. And I, I had, for some reason I was always, when I did family ties and I did stuff when I was younger, I could look at the script and I could look at it for five minutes. And I got it. I yeah. knew it. I could just download it before the, yeah. I knew what downloading was. I would just download this shit. And I would know it. And, and, and it kind of always stayed with me that I had that ability to spin zitty and stuff. And I started do these shows, and I couldn't remember my lines. I couldn't get them. I couldn't, and I couldn't, and I couldn't. When I was so busy trying to recover them that I couldn't speak them in in the way that the way that I wanted to, according to what I had, what I had in mind for the character. Yeah. So, um, so I just, and it was about that time that that um that I saw uh, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh yeah. And, and the, the great scene with. Leo when he goes in there, he he can't remember his lines on the the show and he goes into the dressing room and he berates himself and just right. kills himself. But yeah. I had that moment, I walked in, I walked into the dressing room and I said, no, this is when I'm supposed to yell at myself in the mirror and say, You fucking idiot, you don't know and I just went, eh <laughs> <laughs> this, this is where I'm at. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's it. That's certainly better. You you waited until you fell on the floor and broke your arm to berate yourself.
1: Yeah, it's it's, it's yeah that that berated myself and that was that was that was after. You no, know,
0: yeah, but that the, was, yeah, like I can't, like it's really hard for me. Like when I read the book, you know, there there are these this sort of you know your humor, your sense of humor, and your 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 your, your, your sort of like you you know almost desperate need to navigate and and maintain this relationship with your body. You know, in in a in a in an in in intellectual way, you you know you you know the way you confront it. It seems was never sort of like I'm fucked, but it was sort of like okay, this is doing this now, so now I've just got to do this to counter this, and then I can uh, walk. You know, like yeah. it, it's <laughs> just this ongoing sort of vigilance of of working with this partner that is a degenerative illness. Yeah. And I, I've i never like I don't know many people w- with these kind of I- illnesses. But but I mean, that in and of itself, uh, it would seem that, you know, the desire to sort of give up uh, would be sort of always pending. But I never got that sense from the way you discussed it, even and also the fact that you just kept doing shit. I mean, that trip to uh, to where was Absolutely. it? Was a cat, cat, well, before Africa, even just to Kathmandu. I mean, uh, is Bhutan, that where it was? I'm telling you,
1: Kathmandu is on the Bhutan. way to
0: I mean, it's like, what are you doing? Like in my mind, like I won't do that be- just because I, I'm nervous to, uh, about food in other places. But here, you're you're <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're dealing with this, this this disease, and you're like you're on a plane to fucking Bhutan. And I'm like, holy shit! I you know, I'm afraid to go to uh, to Arizona.
1: <laughs> it's, it's a little friendly now in Arizona. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's it it uh yeah. It, I don't. Know, I just I, I just life is better than the alternative. And so if I'm here, I'm going to enjoy it. And I want to, and, and, and I don't want to, but I don't want to brush over stuff and I don't want to like not acknowledge stuff that's real. Like again, it's, 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 it's acceptance and it's, and it's, uh, and it's uh, understanding what my situation is. And, and so I just like, I look at it and like, that's the thing. I always, when I pile all that stuff up, it would never match how much I like life and how much I love the people in my life and how, and then, and then it was that moment under the phone on the floor. I would say, was say uh, the, the phone was above me, and I was on the kitchen floor. And With the pulled, arm, yeah, my arm, and, and just feeling sorry for myself and pissing and bone And 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 I thought at that that point the pile was too big. I said now now the pile too big. Now 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 I don't I don't like this. Uh, I I don't want to accept this. And I don't want to take it. And I don't want to try to understand it. And I don't want to try to make it better. And I don't want to put shiny face on it. I just want I just want to be. Out from under this phone, off this floor, and fucking better, and then right. just just not have to deal with this shit anymore.
0: But you deserve I, that. I mean, you know, you you have the right to be fed up at some point. I mean, I don't.
1: <laughs> but what was great about it was that again, it led me into this place where I really thought about it, and I and I, I thought about, I just, I just like started to get it reorganized again and get it get it. But it, but it came from different places. It came from right. different things. It didn't come from. I want to feel better. I want to do better. I want to. I want to beat this. I want to like live with this. I want to make this, put a good face on this. So it right. became like like if I listen to these. If I listen to this message of gratitude that came from my my father-in-law, who was a very influential man in my life, and and um and I listen to and I, and I look at relationships, and I look at I look at things like like what if I what if I. uh, get dementia what if what if i lose my my, my cognitive abilities yeah that mean and so I, so I thought about that so i thought and i actually had this moment that i talk about in the book it was a real wild moment i was watching an ad for for uh duplazid which is a parkinson's drug for parkinson's dementia yeah yeah and it's a drug we we, we were involved in early on in, in in the development of it but um this guy is in this season this pastoral kind of yard of this beautiful home and and he's, got, he's looking at his dog, and then he's got two dogs. Yeah. And his wife is coming. Now his wife's with some man he doesn't understand. did doesn't know, and he gets all anxious. And it's about those kind of delusions. And um, the first time I saw the commercial, I'm standing in my office, and I'm watching it. And then I, I, I turned to my left, and I said to the man who wasn't there, what did you think of that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I actually did that. I, yeah. uh, what did you think?
0: <laughs> <laughs> but you know like you talked a lot about some of the, the hallucinations you had in the hospital you know after the back surgery but you don't oh, you don't wow. deal with that you don't deal with that stuff uh, on a regular basis do you no
1: no yeah. what, I, what, what i get is um i get things that are easy explainable which is like peripheral stuff like like uh, if i have my glasses on the frame of my glasses i'll, I'll see it until yeah. I'll, someone's moving it but then i know it's the frame of my glasses right 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 I also think
0: like another thing that you seem to do, which is beautiful, is that from all your life experiences, you kind of build these metaphors that function for you. Like, you know, with golf, with leopards, you know, with like the like I I don't know how I never understood golf, but it seems like you have a passion for it. But you drew some analogy, you know, between, you know, golf and uh, and, and, uh, and 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 brain surgery like you you, you take lessons from it.
1: Yeah, I, I, like I like I really like uh, in my writing because like, I'm not a writer, but but I love metaphors and I love cliches and I love to just bust up cliches and bust up metaphors and yeah, and just make them all crazy because it, it's interesting to me and and um I always find I think I think in metaphors and I think like like uh it seems like, it seems I seems apply to things you wouldn't think they apply to like. Uh, I, I don't know how to explain this, but, but like trying to learn to walk again. So I had all these things. Right. Uh, put the heel, strike with the heel, and bring the thing, transfer the weight from the thing, get the hips out front, and all this. This this list of things. Right. And I have to think about it every time I go to, 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 to the fridge. Yeah. And then I, I get to the fridge, I have to figure out how I manipulate the stuff, and I'm going to pivot to put it on the counter to go back and get the other thing. And then my, my daughter, my 18 year old daughter, breathes it through, grabs a coconut water, closes the door with her hip, and bounces out the door. Yeah, and and and, and, um, and so so I think, then I think about golf. Golf, I have to same thing. I have to get my feet set, get the you know, get my look down at the ball, get all that that list of things. Yeah, and it's about golf. Right. So what's more annoying, like doing that with golf, or if I have to do it for walking, uh, I'll I'll do it for golf.
0: Yeah, (laughs) right. And the leopard thing was pretty scary. I could, like, you know, to be stuck in a watering hole in Africa and then realize the connection of the leopard and the tree and then realize, like, I could be food.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just I'm, and, 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 like, my only, my only, my only hope is that, that I'm not that delicious.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cause you're not going to be able to, 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 to get away necessarily.
1: No, the leopard, you they, by the back of the neck, and you're up hanging from a tree. Uh, in a second, and they're licking your hair off.
0: That's right. Yeah. It, the, well, you, yeah, but the, the analogy you drew in terms of your life was that there's the leopard the, that you see, and then there's the one that you can't see, and then there's the one that prowls around in your dark place.
1: Yeah. The one, the one that you can't see that probably isn't there, but it really shows the shit out of you. And then, well, yeah, then they talk about like, like I'd be on the safari, Yeah. And, and, you know, and I'm seeing all these animals and all this stuff. And, and we did, we had the same, we broke down at the watering hole. And, and I was thinking, I was saying, take take my family back, and I'll, I'll wait here for the truck to come. And I'm thinking, I'm going to die. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be eaten by by a leopard who's up in that tree. That I can't see now. And um, he's just waiting for because I'm a taste. I'm the slow, old one. I yeah. can't move that well, and I'll be easy to take down. So wait for those young ones to leave and, and then get me. <laughs> yeah. So so um. But then the truck came. We were rescued. But but when we got back to the camp, we're in these tents. You know, these kind of glamping uh, things.
2: Yeah,
1: we have the four poster bed and, and desk and post African alien horns and antlers and skulls and, and 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 I have to make and it's in a tent and I, in, a, in the middle of that I got go pee and I gotta go to this to this thing at the end of the tent which is this kind of latrine thing. Yeah, bathroom is not really a word for. it. And I have to surf through like the dark. I have this I have these reading lights on that I have a light on the side of my head so I look like one of those fish in the, in the in the in the, in the Mariana Trench, the anglerfish. <laughs> angler fish. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling my way through this 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 antique store, and and, and um and 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 I realize I can't lean on anything. I can't lean on the wall. If I lean on the tent, the well, whole tent comes down. It comes down on my wife, and then it comes down on me. And the nearest hospital is like in, in Kenya or something. Yeah, and that's the scariest part. Yeah, that's that, that, that's the most potentially lethal thing I do in that whole trip
0: is go to the bathroom.
1: Is go to the bathroom at night, <laughs> yeah. and and so and so so I put that in perspective. I said, "There's the leopard you see. There's a the shit that you're really afraid of that and you can see him, and he's scary. And but but you yeah, you're okay because you're in these big vehicles, and they don't see individuals in a the vehicle. They see the vehicle, which is a big monolithic monster that they don't want to mess with, right? Unless you unless you get out of the vehicle, then you've then you you've exposed the fraud. You right, you you you, you become you found lunch. Yeah. So and 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 then when I was stuck at the waterhole, hole, I was I was precisely that position because I, I was out of the jeep because the jeep was sinking in the mud. And yeah. It was, but the serious thing was being in the tent at home and having to pee. Yeah, and yeah. I'd that was
0: just, yeah, just the practical <laughs> thing. So when you like, what what do you sig- What do you kind of see as the 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 thoughts that really got you out this last time?
1: Well, I, I, I had a few things. I had the golf thing was cool. Like, I had like, all these little side trips I took in the book, um, like golf yeah. with, with my buddies and people that I, that I like. And uh, I talk about yeah, George Stephanopoulos and, and Har- Harman, Co- Harman Coben, the, the mystery writer. Yeah. I did this great, strange little trio of guys that, that uh, golfed. It was going to happen. The headphones and Parkinson's and don't go.
0: Headphones and Parkinsons don't go.
1: No, I, because my hands is flying around all the time. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. And I had to stay with the mask. I had, to, I finally said, "Can I put the mask on?" It chain like a librarian thing, like a librarian's glasses. Right. And, and, and just and just have it hanging down. When i pop it on, I'd pop it on. But I but I would pull the break the chain all the time.
0: Yeah, we might be able to finish it up without the headphones if they keep. Oh, okay, it I got it. No, okay. No. So, so okay. So you had good friends. And yeah, you had
1: he, to, he turned, and, and so that that was a big thing, and that was that was important, and then and then these moments with my family that were just little moments. It's just like I didn't write about spectacular. Well, my daughter was the one thing; she was there the night be, the night before I, I had my accent. Yeah. she begged me to let her stay and get me off in the morning, and I said, "No, this is gonna be silly. Go home, go home." Yeah, and, and the next one I did, this said she still isn't over it. We still right. talk about it all the time. Right. Um. And uh. and and and, and with Tracy and with. And then it was a big deal. with my, with my father in law, was just with, he was always saying it gets better, and he was always talking about gratitude. And and, and he
0: was battling cancer, right?
1: He battling cancer, and he, and he we we have this moment that I talk about in the book where uh, I go over and visit him, and we would have lunch, and I bring him Claire's and a mystery novel. Yeah, and we we just hang out, and they see he had a cat that would come down, walk down his arm, a little, little miniature cat that would drink his out of his water glass, uh-huh. walk back up his arm. And we went into the room, so we went into the room, the TV room, so watching CNN, and we were talking about Trump. Yeah. And, uh, and then the, the doorbell rang at back, the service entrance, and I went back in with the guy from the hospice. Uh, yeah. And he had all the hospice equipment. And, and, and I brought him in, and, and it was kind of awkward, because uh, Steve, you know, I didn't know how I feel about this. And so I, I gave the guy a tip, and he gave us directions, and, and he said, which one do you do as a patient? <laughs> And it's a, it's a last time I heard Steve really laugh.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think the point you make towards the end of the book about about what you what Steve said to you about you know gratitude being the foundation of optimism. What exactly was that that he said?
1: Well, he he, he just talked around that. I mean, I, I put it in. in I, I expressed that as saying with gratitude, optimism is sustainable. But he okay. would say that he would say he would say he would talk around that 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 that, that but if you, you you can't unless you have gratitude, unless you are grateful for being there and you and you you're grateful for what you what you what you're taking in, uh uh and, and, and you don't have to automatically be grateful. You find a way to be grateful.
0: Right. Well, find you have way. to, especially when you're an uh, an a, 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 a alcoholic. You know that gratitude. I have to. Yeah, I have to force myself to do it because I'd rather, I'd rather be sort of miserable. Yeah. You know. So I mean, you have to make a choice. To be grateful yeah. and make the list and all that shit.
1: And then it's worth it. But but it, yeah, it's much easier to just go, rah, rah, fuck it. Rah, fuck it. <laughs> right, what's, on, what's on TV? Let me watch a yeah. show where those people sit in a tent for 10 months and rot.
0: Well, I thought that was interesting that, you know, because I found a little of that during the pandemic, like that you when you were in your most depressed this last time that you just fell into the rabbit hole of never ending television. And you found some comfort in that. And you're sort of tripping out on all the different decades available and all the weirdness available. But there's that moment where you talk about, like, you know, realizing that you're part of this rerun
1: (laughs) world. I'm going to be survived by rerun. Yeah. Yeah, okay, no. and I was, was into this thing too. I was watching these game shows, these old game shows. Yeah, which are which are horrendously racist and and, and misogynist and just like you know, like a uh, 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 Native American will come on, the chief, big wumpum where You're just like, yeah. are you kidding me? Yeah, are you kidding <laughs> yeah. Me? And the lady will come on and they'll go, you know, be wolf whistle and say. Uh, is it misses. Mr. or misses. It's Mrs. Oh. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah. And, and the thing I also noticed was everyone, was, everyone is dead. Yes. Everyone is, was dead. Everyone, every, everyone is dead. Everyone is every, dead. Every talk show host, every every game show host was dead. Yeah. I, I, ironically, I understand the the best talk show host, a game show host of all time has just passed away. Yeah. So Canadian and a great guy.
2: Yeah, Alex, yeah.
1: Alex. Go cool Canada. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, but yeah, so that it's sort of interesting that that kind of brought you up against your mortality, because I would think that, you know, like a lot of one thing I don't really hear or see from you or in the book is that this sort of impending sort of doom and gloom that you don't, you know, you I don't there's no real language around like, you know, this is going to kill me or, you know, I'm afraid of uh, death or any of that.
1: 30, 30 years from now, dead. 30 years from now, dead. 30, 30. At least I give you 30, but if it happens before, then I, 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 I can say in the book, uh, the last thing you run out of is the future. Right. It's, it's the last thing. It's the last thing you have is the future and then, and then you don't have it Right. and you, and, and you don't notice. Right. right. So, so like, I, I'm not too worried about that. I don't, and that doesn't freak me out oh, uh, except to the extent that I, that I have that my relationships are solid in my life and that I haven't left anybody any messes to clean up or, or any, any holes to fall into. And, um, uh so you know, whatever. Yeah. I'm more worried about my dog. My my dog was there.
0: Oh yeah? Oh there yeah. he is. You are more worried about your dog than your uh than your than your uh mortality.
1: Yeah, my miserable life. <laughs>
0: <laughs> is that the same dog that's in the book? Yeah. Uh, yes. you love it. You love that dog?
1: I, I great dog? And and then after uh after I wrote the book and I wrote about it worrying about his, his mortality and seeing you know, how fair unfair it was that. There's a sea urchin in in the South Pacific that lives to be 250 years old. Oh and my dog God. probably won't make it to 12. Yeah. <laughs> it's and, 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 and and what and how fair is that? It's yeah. Red uh, Correct.
0: Yeah. There's, <laughs> there's no. I don't think there's there's not a lot of fairness to it all when you break it down.
1: No, it's so so you must well enjoy it. Just like uh, it's a little little Parkinson's, a little brain spine paralysis, a little broken arm, a little. As all, it's fugue. Yeah. <laughs> it's all, all
0: fine. Yeah. It seems, uh, yeah, it's very, it, like, it's very, um, you know, I mean, you hear that all the time, but it, it is, uh, great to talk to you and it's inspirational that you're able to, to maintain this. And, you know, even reading your books is going to, it helps me. And I think that that moment, like, the one thing I know from doing a, a regular show where I speak my mind and deal with talk about sobriety or depression or whatever is that there is a, an amazing, moment where I didn't anticipate, and I don't think you did either, that your experience can truly help people, not just sobriety, but your experience with you know, Parkinson's, back surgery, brain surgery, spine surgery. But, but it makes a profound difference in some people's lives to know they're not alone with things and to know that, that someone else can get through it. And that's just a byproduct of, of the lives that, that you're living and in some respects in the life I'm living. But it's an amazing gift, I think. Uh, it's nothing I asked
1: for. Well, I want to tell you that I'm glad you gave me the opportunity to say this. Uh, I saw um, a, a comedy special of yours about three years ago, about three or four years ago, and 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 that, in a lot of ways, gave me strength to write the book. I mean, I I saw you just bare your soul and still be funny and talk about shit that I, I even I wouldn't talk about, and I talk about anything. Yeah. And, and and I just I just I said this is great. This is so powerful, and it's so it's so. Um, I relate it so much about it, obviously, because of the, the substance abuse and, 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 and just the craziness of being a mind that wants to wants to get everything out of life, wants to embrace life, and, 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 and soak in everything. There is soak in, but then there's this shit going on. It's right. showing up all this black, yeah. and, sack, and and, 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 and you, can, you can't fight your way through it. and It's just really inspiring, and I, I wanted to thank you for that.
0: Oh, thanks, man. I, that means a lot. Thanks, Michael. And, and, and thank you for your book and thank you for talking to me. And, uh, and you know, I'm, I'm glad you're still having a good time. Yeah, that's good. Take care, buddy. Bye-bye. That was amazing. I, 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 it's, it stays with me now. That conversation with him and, and seeing him and having that time. The book is called No Time Like the Future, An Optimist Considers Mortality. It's available now. As I said earlier, uh, I'm not a songwriter, but for some reason one came out of me. I play music here all the time. This is a little more vulnerable. I know it puts me me into the zone of uh, being uh, ridiculed, criticized, and hurt. But uh, I wrote a song, and I'm going to play it. It's tentatively called I'm Done. And this is is a workshop here. Just me and a guitar, an acoustic guitar, which I don't do much. And uh, who knows what it'll become? It may never become anything. So, uh, yeah. I don't do this. I don't do this.
2: alive with me your boots are still here and the hat that you wore still hangs by the door when dreams of you come they're just that you're here I weep with relief and wake up alone in a cradle of grief